Hey, this is Jose Galison of No Way Jose. Um, you can catch me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, also on just about every other, every podcast there is. I'm on the Liberty Movement YouTube channel. This one will not be on it because it's going to be po- uh, politic adjacent. Well, no, it's actually straight up political. I got a brain fart there. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be on there. Um, basically every other episode is uh one sometimes political sometimes not you'll find the non-political stuff over on the liberty movement but today my guest is james gentleman he's the host of the blackbird podcast if you've been following my show for a while you've known we've been on together quite a few times uh quite the bromance of brewing um today's topic is going to be politics plus agorism the reason why i'm doing this is because recently uh i had an episode with uh sal the agorist where we kind of talked about politics versus agorism, and um, it was probably one of my better, most watched uh, episodes. I really enjoyed it. It was fun, and we kind of just went like how they politics and agorism are you know antithetical and uh, his position on it, um, and then also around the same time, James, who I kind of consider almost like a brother or sister show, uh, he had an episode with Pete, and you know a lot of people know Pete Quinones. He's kind of like gone more the political route, so and he's kind of you know, so it's kind of like he did the whole both thing, the uh, agorist and politics. So I thought it'd be interesting for me and James to kind of talk and use that to compare and contrast. And uh, yeah, because me and him are me and him are probably a little more in the middle than uh, that. Not to say that either of them are really extremists in that in that regard, but you know, it gives us a chance to talk. Um, anyways, yeah, let me let me mention if you guys want to uh, fucking um, God, I'm fucking spacey today. If you guys want to support my work, I'm on Patreon. I'm No Way Jose 2020. On Patreon, uh, you can also check out endthefed.app. You can support me with crypto on there. Uh, and now I'm going to go ahead and bring on James. What's up, James? Hey, sweetie. What's going on? How's your bromance going? Oh, good, good. <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to go ahead and uh, real quick, I know I feel like it's weird to do this every time, but I'm going to have you introduce yourself again because, you know, I mean, I have a pretty small audience of time, you know, so it's kind of like, who knows? Probably new people. Go ahead and introduce yourself again. Let you know who you are, what you're about. Oh, sure. Well, and everything. I mean, I, hell, I change podcast titles <laughs> like I do underwear. So uh, I'm James. I host the Blackbird podcast. Um, it's basically, well, it started out as the Urban Agorist podcast, but uh, I, both of those things are in a state of flux, like at all times. So um, I instead of being like an urban agorist, I might be a rural minarchist next year. So uh, I changed it to Blackbird, Blackbird being the Beatles song, kind of all about learning to fly and learning to sing and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a personal empowerment, entrepreneurship, libertarian adjacent philosophy, maybe get into some spirituality here coming up pretty soon. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. I think I think I think anybody that has a brain would probably enjoy it. Uh, so, you know, subscribe. Yeah, that's a that's a good pitch. If you have a brain, you'll enjoy my shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I found it's good. I mean, not to go too much tangent, but I've been noticing there's a lot of people in like the space that we kind of came from. You know, roughly the the liberty space that have been noticing have been saying a lot how they regret how they have kind of pigeonholed themselves Dude. to some extent. Like it's I been know. a thing lately, you know. It's weird. You know? Did you did you hear Thad Russell on Lions of Liberty this week? Yeah, he brought up some good Mark points. Claire, Mark Claire's <laughs> like, I don't even know if I want to have Liberty, let alone Libertarian, in my title. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just become such a dead term, and like, I don't know if it's because it's gotten too mainstream, and maybe we're just the cool grifters. I I, I don't like it. I, for, but for Man, me, it's just I like it's just I, cheesy. 
You... I'm on Substack. So look, if you want to help me be a grifter, and I'm looking directly at you, audience member, if you want to help me be a good grifter, subscribe. It's like ten bucks a month. Uh, you won't get it. You don't get much yet, but I promise you, one of these days, when there's enough of you subscribed, <laughs> you, you will not get your money's worth. Still, but uh, you'll be helping me out as oh, a as a wannabe grifter. Oh, grift like a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is a. I, I'm kind of glad too. I kind of stuck with the. I started with the Noe Jose thing because it's like. I mean, part of me was like thinking some sort of plan words or something liberty ish, but I'm kind of glad yeah. in retrospect it didn't because it's like it's one of those things that like kind of we're probably getting into this a little bit today that like kind of how our positions have changed or we're open to change, but it's like. I mean, fuck, for all I know, I could be a, 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 a goddamn neocon three years from now. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll see the light and see how they're totally right. I don't think so. I highly doubt it. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but you're yeah. right, though. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, it, outside of, and, and I love her to death, but outside of people like Karen Ann Harlos, who I would say, like, perfectly embodies what the stereotype of a libertarian as, like, the the pink haired Republican who likes to do drugs. Um, that was like the stereotype of libertarians prior to, I don't know, like maybe the Ron Paul movement, like 2004 ish libertarians. That's kind of what you thought of. Um, and then Ron Paul came around. And so Ron Paul was like the, the, the very image of a libertarian. And now I don't really know. I mean, like the LP, I don't. I mean, I don't even know if the LP can be considered libertarian anymore. You know, uh, I, I think the Mises Caucus is trying to change that, but we're entering this time, and maybe this is maybe this is a good segue. I don't know. Um, we're entering this time where the the powers that be are no longer just the state. Quit dropping stuff, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> You're a professional podcaster for crying out loud. I know. I'm trying to go for the unloose the goose vibe and get, get my little drink on, you know? Oh, yeah. I've got I, uh, Southern Comfort is what we're doing tonight. Yeah, I got a. I tried this new shit called Tin Cup, and I was hoping it'd be good just drinking whiskey. It's not. So I'm mixing it. I'm trying a, tri a, a triple X vitamin water with some whiskey. See how that oh, turns yeah. out? That sounded good That's to me. Good. That's good. <laughs> I've never done um, that, but it's you know really good. Go ahead. You know what's really good mixed with whiskey is uh, those seltzers like White Claw or whatever. You get you kind of get a little double dose of the alcohol, and it actually, you know, especially like the just the cheap gut rot whiskey that doesn't go down too easy. Uh, mix it with some seltzer and just see how you like it. Um, sounds good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we got off track please. there. <laughs> so, uh, what was it? Uh, right. So the LP, I mean, barely libertarian, and it's because like the LP really only focuses on government overreach. It's not even like just the existence of the state. It's like, oh, the state's doing a little too much or like, uh, oh, the state's doing this, but, and, and we, we totally think that you should be doing this, you know, wear your, wear your mask citizen. Just don't do it because the state tells you to, yeah. you know? Uh, and that, that's also the Reason Magazine thing, which I, oh man, I love Reason. Reason introduced me to libertarianism. Um, so watching them for the past year has really, really been upsetting. Um, but now I, I, want, I wonder, I was just thinking as you were saying this, like is us looking at or the LP and saying they're not really libertarian, is that a function of them not being libertarian or is that a function of us in our progression? Because 
I feel like they've kind of almost always been this way, but my perception now that I've come further along in the philosophy, sure. you look at them and you're like, but in reality, I feel like if you're really true to yourself, they've kind of always been the classical liberal constitutionalist type vibe. And like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off here. I mean, I, but I'm right. kind of, you know, we look at it and we're like, God, they fucking suck. But it's like, cause we're kind of looking at the deep philosophy where they're just kind of looking at it from a very surface level, but that's kind of what it's always been in a way. I think, I think my, not always, but well, I mean, it had, it's, 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 it's an evolution though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, where they are now is where everyone was a decade ago. Mm -hmm. It's just that they haven't, they haven't evolved with the rest of us. And that's, that, that to me is a problem. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, I because yeah, I mean maybe it's more obvious now because yeah, I mean I, I I can see that. Yeah, actually, you know what? That, that makes sense because they haven't evolved, and it's kind of like now, yeah, that's where people are. Ten years ago, where the LP is now would be this extreme position, you know, like, but now it's not the case. So now people, now it's kind of the same problem. I feel like the the left has too. It's like gay marriage is a thing. Um, weed legalization is going around everywhere. Um. Like all these major battles that people are having are kind of coming to a close. So it's like, what now? And it's like, but the libertarians haven't, the LP hasn't really evolved with that. They've kind of just been like, you know, the, just the same old, like, you know, the government's too big. <laughs> so is that a, do you, as far as you're concerned, does it matter that the LP is not evolving with the rest of us? Or, I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, for me, I guess I kind of like, I mean, from my perspective and what I think, how things should be, I, I, I mean, I think to some extent it's probably good because I think it takes like, I mean, if it hadn't been for them being so ineffective, I don't think I would have, because I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was on fire for Jojo when the shit started off back in the day, like, and then she became really fucking lame and then like didn't really rail against the system when it was like such a goddamn layup to do so so but yeah no I, I i so for me i guess it is kind of like because where i'm at i feel like that's gonna get people they are better if you have this ineffectual and like to some extent like uh, we'll get into it a little bit in this episode but like say for example the lpmc like i don't think the political route is the way to go but if i'm wrong i don't mind the lp as being a nice hedge on my bet you know mm -hmm. so and I feel like the LP being fucking trash kind of to some extent has that, you know, because like we were talking before and neither of us are necessarily like resolute or certain in our stances. So like I have my thoughts on the matter and I, I try to logically think them through, but fuck, I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know. I guess for me, I kind of, I kind of like them being useless. Cause I mean, I feel like it gets more people to that, place i want them to be you know even the people on the left and the right when they see their party's useless or our you know our party is basically just as useless <laughs> like not our party but you know what i mean yeah so yeah i i don't i don't really know like i for me i i'm a good interviewer like i i love doing an interview i am not a good political activist <laughs> but the, but the thing is like I, i'm passionate i'm passionate about liberty and so if I mean, if I can fall in with a group of people who are also passionate about liberty and also want to make some waves on the political scene, then I'll, I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, 
like I donate to the Mises caucus every month and I'm in their Facebook group. Um, David Hines, who's a, he's like one of the leaders in the, in the Mises caucus. He's, I guess he's like Michael Heiss's deputy or whatever. Um, he refers to me as a fellow traveler, which I, I like that. That's, that's fine with me. Um, I, after, after 2020, I swore off voting forever. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if that'll, that promise will actually keep. I mean, you know, we've got another election year next year. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll return to my addiction. I, I have no idea. It's just so, so fucking useless. Even if you believe in the the political route, like for me, like say if I just like decided I was wrong and I think I should, we should try to affect change through the political, you know, arena. Like I would still, I honestly, I mean, this may sound fucking terrible, but I'd probably tell everyone to go out and vote and go do this and go do that. But at the end of the day, I probably wouldn't fucking vote because it's yeah. like, I mean, even then I know how ineffective one little mm -hmm. vote is. So it's like, if anything, I do far more by encouraging other people to vote than by me actually voting. So I mean, sure. I probably would never tell anyone, in, let anyone in on that little secret because I'm like, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, fucking do something else on that day or whatever. And it, like, it's not even like voting's that hard. It's just, it's such a for the even the infinitesimally small amount of effort it may take to vote. It's not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> in, in mathematically speaking, you know. So yeah, that's the thing. I like, I have a lot of fun at um, LP events and stuff, but like, and, and, you know, I mean, especially in my state, I don't, I don't, I, I think like if I was in Nevada where their state is just awful, it probably would be different. But, uh, in Minnesota, like we've got an awesome chair. Um, it's a pretty good mix of like one of our, you know, one of the leaders of the, she actually, she is a like trainer or something like that for the national party, but she's a city council member and, um, a pretty big suburb of, of Minneapolis. Um, and she's awesome. I, I don't know if she's like ANCAP or minarchist or what, but she's great. She's so much fun to hang out with. Um, so I have a lot of fun with our state party. Uh, but like the other day, someone approached me to run for chairman of the party <laughs> and I can't, I can't think of anything I'd want to do less. I, I I'm not passionate about the party. Like I'm passionate about having fun with other libertarians. Um, I'm passionate about advocating for our causes. I'm, you know, I mean, if the libertarian, if a, if a libertarian candidate wins an election, I'm going to be happy about it. And it's not like I'm going to be mad, but uh, I'm probably not going to go out of my way to like go knock on doors for him or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel like this is probably a good point to kind of break off into what I intend to. And I wanted to have us, each of us, steel man each other's episodes. So, yeah. I mean, for those who don't know what steel manning is, I mean, if you've been raised in a fucking, I don't know, a barn or whatever the hell the saying is. Like steel manning is when you do your best to give the most favorable interpretation of someone's stance. Because James, when I brought, came to him with this idea, he actually rightfully said that I don't feel comfortable trying to express other people's, you know, perspectives. Because we were talking about like kind of like talking about each other's. But I figured we'd take the one. I figure, figure if we steel man, it's kind of like you kind of can't go wrong. Like if you're genuinely steel manning, so like if, if you're being like a kind of you know like a snippy girl and being like you know, like I wish I had the courage to wear that dress or something like that. That's, that's different, but that's not genuinely steel manning. So that's, that's what we're shooting for here. And I feel like me and James both can handle steel manning each other, especially because me and him kind of both aren't really super resolute in our stances. <laughs> and we also kind of don't fucking care. Like, I, I, I don't know, like it's not that big of a deal, but it is an interesting discussion to be had.
So that I'll, I'll let you take it, James. Let you steel man my episode with Sal and his perspective in relation to politics and agorism. Okay, sure. So um, just to start, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a debater, and I'm not a, I'm not like a steel manner. Um, I, so I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to pretend like I'm making Sal's argument better than he can. Or well, you're already losing the debate now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and just to add a little bit of meat to the bone, steel manning is like the opposite of straw manning. So you're just not. You're not. You're arguing what they're arguing, not some caricature of what they're arguing. But from what I understand, Sal's position is that the political route to a libertarian society is both immoral and practically a waste of time. And it's immoral for all the reasons that, you know, a non-voting anarchist would say it's immoral. Um, you are being complicit with the monopoly on violence. Uh, you're um, like maybe taking taxpayer funds for the candidate. Uh, the candidates are never as like ideologically pure as one would hope um, engaging in voting is arguably an act of violence um, or an act of aggression rather uh, taxation is theft and you can't really have politics without taxation. So there's all that, but then practically, and this is where I think the argument is even stronger because nobody really cares about the moral arguments anymore. Um, practically, there are so many things other than politics that an agorist can do to try to take down the system. Um, if the goal is abolition of the state and not just like a better, more efficient, whatever, whatever state, um, like reason might advocate for or at least, you know, some of the higher level editors there, um, then engaging in politics is a waste of time because it's not getting you toward your goal. <clears throat> the goal being the elimination of the state, not just a better state. And so an agorist, specifically Sal, would say that engaging in counter-economics, um, printing guns, maybe, uh, and, you know, otherwise subverting the mechanisms of control that kind of keep us down is much better than partnering with those mechanisms of control via politics. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think that's a cool. perfect representation of his stance. I mean, maybe he would disagree, but I doubt it. Um, I'll go ahead and go into my position on uh, Pete or steel manning him. Uh, what I, my thoughts on his, not, not my thoughts, but, you know, my steel manning his shit. So I think he's taking the perspective of, I think he's taking more like the education route and that like we can use politics to our advantage, you know, the party archy as Conkin would say, but we can use it to our advantage, you know, in, in like, he would probably say like the local levels. Uh, he would also say that we are using them as a bullhorn, as a education, you know, kind of taking the Ron Paul route. Uh, and where like everyone knew Ron Paul probably wasn't going to get elected, but it was more of just, you know, red peeling as many people as you can. I know there's been a lot of talk about, like I said, I think I've already said bullhorn, but uh, like he's, you know, they're planning on trying to, and they already have some people that already have kind of positions within media. Like uh, for example, a good person is Dave Smith and he's been doing a lot with LPMC. 
Uh, he's fucking, um, he, he gets on like Fox news and he's been on CNN before. So it's like, you start getting him in there, you know, saying that people commit treason, but with also the backing of a political party, like some shit can happen, you know, like, I mean, that's some interesting stuff. So like that can red pill some people. Um, I would also say that Pete's probably taking the shotgun approach. I would think if I had to guess, he's probably kind of similar in me and you in that he may not necessarily be entirely sure that this works. But I think he's of the opinion that why not fucking try? Like, so it's a matter of the shotgun approach of just trying as much as you possibly can, throw everything against the wall, see what sticks. And like, so, and I, I think it's fair. That's, that's a fair perspective to have. Uh, I also think, um, when, I was, when I was listening to this, I was kind of reminding me of, if you guys haven't seen the episode on Lines of Liberty of like uh, Dave Smith and Eric Brakey, I believe it's Eric, uh, the... And they were talking about whether they should use the LP or they should use the Republican Party as a as a route, you know, to you know increasing liberty or whatever. And one of the major points that Dave kept bringing up was that you know, like he, I mean, anyone watches the show has heard him say before that like you know America is a car careening towards a cliff or whatever the hell he says it. And like, so his thing is like we are fucking running low on time, and if we had a you know a ten year the, the time for like a ten year plan, we could use the Republican Party. Oh, but we don't. So he's like the Libertarian Party is easier to take over. Uh, and I think Pete probably has a similar perspective when it comes to this in that, like, we don't have a lot of time. And so it's a matter of this is what we can do. Like, this is the, the thing we can get the ball rolling. Like, maybe it's not perfect, but it's kind of I think he would probably take the perspective of don't give up good for the perfect. You know what I mean? Or, or however the hell the saying is, you know, like if you're shooting for perfect and you don't get it and you could have got good, I mean, you kind of, you kind of just fucked yourself. Um, and you know, that's, that's probably fair. I mean, I, I definitely makes me think about a lot of that shit. Um, I think that's probably anything I can think of on that. I did want to like make a little side note that he did that. that check out that uh, episode. I'll put it in the description, but it was very interesting. There wasn't the focus. I mean, I guess it was kind of the focus, but you guys went a lot of other shit. There's some cool stuff that kind of went to, he made me really reevaluate some of my collapsitarian leanings a little bit. Cause he kind of brought up how like one of the major things was like the, like, like socialism and communism over in uh Soviet Russia is that fucking, um, God, I'm having a brain fart in the names, but essentially why a lot of people hated the anarchists was because they fucking, they knew that like, if shit collapsed, like, they were going to turn right to the fucking, uh, the people with the power before. So, I mean, that's, that's a good point for those like looking at the collapse from a romantic view, which I mean, I don't necessarily look at it from a romantic view. I'm more just like, I think it's just going to happen. I almost rather just get it over with, but <laughs> yeah. Um, see, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Do you think I hit that good? Is there anything you think you're like, I missed, I, I feel like I hit kind of all the major points. I think so. One, uh, one thing, and I, I mm. I haven't, I haven't really absorbed my interview with Pete maybe as much as you have. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you just listened to it today, yeah. but one thing I'm pretty sure Pete has said is that he's not interested in education. Um, he will gladly accept all the Trumpies who have been wiped out of the political scene into the libertarian fold. Um, but the time for education is, has ended. Um, he's way more interested in, throwing proverbial bombs than just, uh, you know, telling people to read a book. That's fair. I feel, I feel like that can be, I feel like that's one of those things that maybe can be conflated in multiple ways. So maybe sure. like you could take that as an education 
in a sense. Yeah. Because it's like you are still trying to read people. So maybe not necessarily education because he has been big on the whole magic thing lately, which I agree with like, yeah. you know, hey, he re here, read this book may not work as well as fucking, I don't know, Biden's a pedophile fucking uh, treasonous traitor, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you may not get them to be philosophically in line with you, but you've mm -hmm. kind of, I guess you could call that education in a sense, but really it's more you're just making them hate the state in a sense, which is like, yeah. maybe they don't, it doesn't have to be educational, but as long as they hate the state, I kind of don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah that's it that's that's a that's a good point and also he's real heavy into machiavellian tactics where you know yeah. it's very much a it's very much a my team versus our enemies type thing which is where i tend to get a little bit i don't know i, I differ a little bit on that the the us versus them mentality doesn't sit well with me quit dropping every time i talk dude <laughs> that's all good uh <laughs> i'll do what i want on my show all right yeah true it is your show huh? man i was just <laughs> i was just uh i was just interviewing the founders of a social network um float and <laughs> uh it's a husband and wife team and she was like opening a bottle of wine right into the micro microphone while her husband was talking it was so funny like you could hear the cork squeaking and stuff it, it was great it is funny the longer i've done this the less i care because like yeah. when i first started it was like I was all like, everything had to be perfect. Like I was like debating, like soundproofing this room and <laughs> I know, like, like put the little foam shit up. And then I was like, now I'm just like fucking pouring whiskey and shit while I'm like going, but whatever. This is great content for me. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're going to some. No, I was, I was just saying, I know I've got the foam stuff up, but uh, other than that, I, it's not, it's not a studio at all. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, man, I want to, I want to, I told you this the last time we were talking. I want to um, get a house out in the country and have like a real studio in it. It'd be cool. I feel like this like almost looks like a real studio, but it's not. It just so happened that like I had all this shit. Yeah. You've got a great backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> no, I fucking love it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely my jam, but this was set up before I even started this. So mm. yeah. For those listening, <laughs> I know this is fucking not fun <laughs> if you're not watching this on YouTube, but <laughs> Anyways, I feel like we we kind of started touching on a little bit what I wanted to get to the next point. I kind of want mm -hmm. to now go into our specific perspectives on when it comes to like politics, agorism, like whether sure. we should use politics. So I guess we'll start out with you. And I, I kind of did want to – I meant to bring it up earlier because I know you've gone a little bit more into the Machiavellian thing. I haven't looked into it too much. I, this is one thing I do need to eventually. Just there's always – I'm not going to lie. I've gotten really bad in the whole intellectual game lately where I just – you know, during peak Couve, like it was pretty, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I did a ton of reading. I'm kind of a little bit miss it in some senses. <laughs> like, I know it sounds terrible. You, during what? The Couve? COVID? Oh, COVID, yeah, right. COVID, at least for me. I'm in Florida, so like things are, yeah. I mean, back to normal, you know, Eric. Oh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of Florida, that was, uh, Eric Brakey was just on the Tom Woods show, and he made a really good point. And he might have made this point with Dave, too, uh, on their debate. It's been a while since I listened to that, but, uh, you know, like imagine if there was a libertarian candidate running against uh, what's his face, DeSantis, and whoever DeSantis was running against, and split the and split the like, for want of a better term, right wing vote, and that Democrat had won. I mean, you guys would still be locked down. Perhaps. I mean, I don't. It's kind of hard. It's like one of those things that, like, yeah, probably. But like looking, looking at things as like what if from a perspective it's kind of hard you know i don't know who 
who knows? I, I don't know if this, this is all because of DeSantis or it, you know, to what bit of it is the culture of Florida? I, mm. I don't know. Like, cause I think, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, like, cause like, for example, here in, here in like the Tampa area where I'm at, like, I mean, that's been a big story going around. Uh, Jane Castor, the mayor, you know, with the whole uh, Super Bowl thing, like she fucking, Ugh. like, you know, you saw the shit where she was talking about yeah. how like she was going to like, you know, try to use the police to fucking identify masks, which I mean, I shared some on Twitter. I was like, this is retarded. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I mean, maybe they might make an example of like one or two people, but it's just like to, to assume that the state has this kind of, you know, resources or, you know, you know, I mean, maybe I guess they do have the resources, but that they would even do it is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like, that's just not tenable. I mean, I, it just seems silly. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously then after that, there came out pictures of her, you know, being at a previous event without a mask. Oh, really? So, yeah. So like, and I love actually how she multiple was, events. Yeah. <laughs> I love ahead. how she was all masked up on that outdoor press conference. Mm-hmm. My God. And it was windy too. Like you could hear, you could barely hear her because the wind was blowing into the microphone. I mean, the idea that the idea that you're in any danger of catching or spreading this virus outdoors on a windy day in, you know, I, it just, it's such a, it's such a charade. It's such theater. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I was getting at is that like, like even in Tampa, which like with her, like the perspective from the outside world might be like, Oh, Tampa must be terrible. She's like that. Tampa, I mean, I don't even know what the legal position, I guess apparently they do have, I didn't even know, I work in Tampa, and I didn't even know there was still some sort of mask mandate, you know, like, uh, I, I, like, I, I don't, I, I, like, I will wear my mask some places, and and other places not, pretty much if it's a gas station, I don't, if it's anywhere like super corporate that I know they're gonna be really lame about it, I just don't feel like dealing with the hassle, I will, but 90% plus of places, I just don't, like, I mean, whatever. (laughs) So yeah, I always look in the window. Like if I'm walking into a gas station or um, like, I don't know, Domino's or whatever, if it, if it looks like the staff doesn't care, like the liquor store near me, they never have their masks on. So I, I just, I usually will wear mine on my chin just in case like, you know, some other customer comes in and I'm going to get Karen. Yeah. Like uh, I don't actually, now that I think about, I don't even think any of the gas stations in Tampa, I don't think I've can even recall when one of the people at the front, like had a mask on. And this is the people who work there in that city. Yeah. So it's like, which you would think that their employers would be like, hey, you got to do this. And even then, like, yes, the sign's on the door, but that's it. <laughs> like, that, that's it. So my point is, again, it's like, it's kind of like, I don't know, would it make a difference? I mean, it's kind of hard to like play like, what if, you know, with the with the past? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. I, I, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, it's like, it's, it's one of those like, it's kind of hard to tell is it like would would they change their perspective just because there's a d next to their name and even then would it make a difference because i mean how much is it how much is this power game is really the people allowing it to happen you know what i mean yeah so so i mean yeah i don't know i mean i guess it's probably you can i lean towards yeah it's probably better with desantis but i mean i don't even really believe in the political game at all so like I guess it's not really an issue for me. <laughs> like, I'm not really rooting for the libertarians either. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really too worried about the whole them splitting the vote thing. <laughs> so, you know, if anything, I'm more rooting for the guy that just to not wear his mask, you know? Right. So, right. So where, uh, where, what else, uh, where else do you fall on this? Uh, Sal versus Pete thing. Not that, I mean, it's not like Sal and Pete. I mean, they're both, they're both geese. You know what I mean? Like they're on the same podcast and stuff. It's not like they're, it's not like they hate each other. 
Um, but they do come at this from different directions. So, oh, I'm a. Uh... I mean, I was going to let you finish to do your perspective. I don't think you really did. But, I mean, we can – yeah, I'm totally – I'm basically almost entirely in line with Sal, aside from I don't take the position that's morally wrong to engage in the political realm. Because, I, I mean, I, I think it's practically I, – I think practically speaking, and even then within the practical practical realm, I'm sure I could, I could devise a hypothetical in which that's not the case. You know, because – I mean, if you strip away everything, what is an election? That's some people with guns saying, "Hey, I'm gonna make you let you make some choices," you know, within this realm of what I accept, I, I allow to happen. And so, you could probably devise a realm. I could devise a hypothetical in which I would think that's okay. Like, I would think it would make sense because people always bring up, you know, if you got to choose your masters, you know, your slave masters. And it's, I mean, if if I was on a plantation and I got to choose my slave master, like, sure, yeah, I'd probably would engage because it's like. I mean, not being like, I choose not to vote isn't really going to do anything in that given situation. Like, so, I mean, it's being a little silly and facetious to say in that situation, I would be like, nope, I'm being principled here and I'm not going to vote. <laughs> no, I'm going to choose a guy that's going to whip me less. <laughs> but if we're dealing with a human, like really even like a, a city or a county or a state or a country, it's kind of like, are you going to a point where it's like, yeah, it actually probably does make more sense for you to not engage, you know, like, especially because there's not really any, there's less of a real world consequence. And, you know, I mean, there's that less of that, like, you have less of an input and less of a consequence, if that makes sense. I mean, maybe I'm saying that wrong, but so it's like, I can devise a hypothetical. I just think practically speaking, it doesn't make sense for you to engage. I think you have more to gain from not engaging. And I think most more people should not engage personally. So I just don't buy, buy the whole that it's morally wrong. I, I do agree that it is violence, but being as people who generally abide by the NAP, um, violence isn't necessarily wrong. Like it depends on the scenario really. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think Lysander Spooner had a really good point with his defense of voting, you know, how it's like you can def vote in self-defense. Like, it's just like, I think it might've been you that we talked about how there was this scenario where there was this guy who was getting fucked with by the cops and he kept asking to leave him alone, leave him alone, leave him alone. And then he finally, like they kept, like they tased him multiple times and then he got out of his car and blew him both away, killed him both. And I think morally he's completely in the right, but like, let's be real. That was really dumb. <laughs> like, that is not going to work out well for him. And that's kind right. of where, where I'm at. Like, I, I can see how someone can vote in self-defense and how it's morally okay. I just don't, it may be like, kind of like that was dumb. Like that doesn't really serve you in any way, you know? I mean, cause morally and moral and practical things are, can be different, you know? So kind of rambled on there, but I, th I think you got the crux of it. That's kind of where I'm at, you know? Um, yeah. I, th I mean, I think I agree with you. Uh, but also, so for me, like when it comes to thinking, I'm pretty independent. Like I, in fact, I, I'm almost, I almost like glory in the fact that I'm, I'm kind of a heretic when it comes to doctrinal things. Um, the ultimate hipster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like movements, I'm perfectly happy just following whoever I respect. Um, and I have a huge amount of respect for Dave Smith and Pete and Tom Woods and Scott Horton, you know? So 
uh, and uh, like I was saying earlier, um, <clears throat> the like the Libertarian Party circle in my hometown is a ton of fun. Um, now that's not to say that I'm not going to also get into agorist circles and stuff. I'm in a freedom cell. Uh, we're 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 actually meeting in person for the first time next Friday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of—I I guess it just depends on where I have the most fun. Like, I'm a, I'm a pleasure seeker. Like, I, I'm not a—I'm not necessarily like a strategic. This is how liberty will come about, kind of guy. I guess. Uh, so, I, I mean, is voting immoral? No. Is it a waste of time? Probably. Um, in 2022, if I can vote for my congressperson by mail, I'll probably do it. If I have to go somewhere, well, there better have there better be some kind of like compelling ballot measure or something like that that I actually might make a difference on in my city. Uh, like I'm in Minneapolis, so we're going to be voting on defunding the police either this year or next. Um, I'll probably want to have something to say about that. It'll be close. Um, but as for like voting for Ilhan Omar, who's going to win by a landslide again next year. I mean, why would I go vote for that? Like, who do I, I mean, so what? I mean, <laughs> she, she's going to be my congresswoman until she retires, and that's not going to happen for a while unless she runs for Senate or something. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not like not going to vote because I think it's immoral. I'm going to not vote because I think it's a waste of time. So I guess we're probably on the same side there or the same, you know, coming from the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's kind of how I see it too. Like, like I was getting at, like I could devise probably a scenario in which there was some, maybe even on a city level, there was some ballot that I was, or some, some issue that I was like, holy shit, this is huge that maybe then I would. But like, even then I feel like a lot of times people blow things out of proportion to be like, oh my God, there's this one thing they're doing in this thing. And it's like, Okay, maybe then, like we talked before, like maybe then, like maybe encourage your your friends to go do it. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe don't do it yourself because I mean, whatever. But even then, you gotta realize you're probably not gonna make a goddamn difference anyways. Like I know that may sound defeatist, but it's kind of just more realistic. So it's like even on a, I mean, maybe in like a district, you know, type, you know, fucking, I don't know. Maybe on maybe on even like a you know, say you're on your HOA or some shit, which I mean that's not necessarily. I mean you get into more voluntary realm. Sure. But you know, like I mean, sometimes they're not. But like, point being is you could devise scenarios in which that's okay. And even then, with you, from my perspective, where you're engaging is like, I mean, you're, you, I don't know, like if we're looking at this, like if we were to somehow be able to break this down mathematically, and I was correct, like it's still kind of like whatever. It's such a infinitesimally small difference that. If you somehow get enjoyment out of it, like, who cares? Like, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I would think, tactically speaking, you know, it probably is not the way to go because I think you're building up a system that's going to cause problems. But at the same point, it's like, you know, same thing with voting. You're such a tiny little fucking cog in the machine that it really doesn't make that big of a difference, you know? And like, yeah. I don't know. And even then, the circles that you're moving with, if I'm wrong, you know, which we've talked about before, if I'm wrong, whatever, you're in the right circles. So, cool. It's kind of like hedging your bets, <laughs> like whatever, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where Pete comes from as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, kind of get an iron in every fire, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, you know, are, are you stretching yourself too thin that way? How's that? Oh, by, uh, I mean, like I obviously, I don't, I don't agree with Pete's perspective. I mean, he don't, don't get me wrong. He makes me think, 
makes me question it, but I still fall on my side of the fence, if that makes sense. But I'm not going to lie. I am, I'm not, like I've said multiple times, I'm not someone who's resolute on where I stand. I'm certain about nothing. The only thing I'm certain about is that I'm not certain. <laughs> like, and that comes with like all things. Like I am the primo agnostic. Like, I mean, I don't even know if reality is real. Like it's just, we, you kind of just base things off your senses and go from there. And so I don't know. I mean, but I, I still kind of take in the information. I still kind of lean towards, you know, that we shouldn't go that route. So I don't agree with Pete. I've kind of already started to lose, uh, forget what the question was. <laughs> uh, oh, the, well, no, it's, it's a good question. Cause I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a really good interviewer. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, the question is if you're doing, if, if you've got like irons in every fire, if you're an agorist and you're a prepper and you're political and you're a podcaster and you're writing and you're, uh, I don't, you know, whatever, whatever the hell else libertarians do, you, you, active sons of bitches. Um, are you stretching yourself too thin? Should you only focus on one thing? Like Michael Heiss, his thing is the libertarian party Mises caucus. Like he's not, he's not trying to be an, a counter economist. So, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I know that, that I just was saying so to punctuate my sentence, respond, please. Okay. Um, this may sound like a cop out, but I guess it depends. I mean, I, okay, the, in this question, I'm accepting the paradigm that you should operate within the political realm because we're talking about mm. that. So to entertain that, I would say, yeah, I mean, it depends. It really depends if you can be effective because I feel like some people are able to be jacks of all trades. Some people are more specialists. It really does depend. I mean, from my perspective as an agorist, though, like as a – I don't think the political realm is the way to go. I would say, yes, you should – like while I may not really think that is a moral to engage in, in the politics and I may think it's impractical. I also do think to some extent it does divert energy away from where you should be going. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm not me personally, maybe it's not necessarily a, the agorist position. I'm not that concerned about it because for one, like I said, I'm not certain. So it's kind of like hedging my bets. So like, whatever, if I'm wrong, it's good that there are people out there who, you know, we're right. <laughs> like, and I guess even within my agorist paradigm, like I would think that, um, I mean, maybe Conkin may not completely agree completely because he's a different way of looking at it. But I would think that, you know, if I want people, if people are going to engage in the political realm, I would prefer them to engage in that realm, you know? So even though I may agree that it does more harm than good, I mean, if they're going to do it, I guess, you know, do that. Cause I feel like that it's going to work out better for me anyways, you know, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, but here's the other thing. So, um, agorists are really fond of saying that agorism brought down communism, for instance. And like, I, I mean, sure. I, I Agorism, I guess, helped bring down communism. And in a lot of ways, agorism was just a necessity under communism. Like, it's not like you had Konkanites running around the Soviet Union starting little uh, freedom cells. It was just you had to operate in the black market or you were going to starve to death. What? And, and, and uh, a lot of the same way, like, Catholics are really fond of saying that John Paul II brought down communism. And like, I mean, I guess, 
you know, he was he was pretty active in the Polish solidarity movement. And like that started like a like a uh, counter movement to communism in Poland, um, which was a pretty big chink in the USSR's armor. But what really brought down communism was a mix between the collapse of their economy and Mikhail Gorbachev realizing that it just was unsustainable. And so he enacted a bunch of, you know, as the prime minister, as a politician, he enacted a bunch of political policies that brought communism into the capitalist age through his perestroika uh, programs. Um, and, I mean, and obviously Pete made that Pete made that point on my podcast. Uh, but you know, I, 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 I agree with that. Like, I think that agorism is very important and especially as we become, you know, a more totalitarian and less sustainable society, agorism is important for, for survival. I mean, people are going to be dying if supply chains break down and that sort of thing. Um, and we're, you know, we're rationed and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, Bill Gates becomes like the world's only farmer. Uh, it's going to become more and more important that people have these counter economic, counter economic skills. Um, well, not just okay. because, not just because it's, you know, a path to freedom, but because it's a, it's a necessary thing. But that doesn't negate the need for. I mean, it's not that it, it's not that politics is a need. It's that in this paradigm that we're living in, it exists. And so you can either recognize that or you can deny it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I think both those two. There's two points I picked up on there. Uh, and I also want to caveat from the beginning. I am fucking terrible with history. Because I grew up in public schools, history was fucking boring. It was just events and dates, yeah. and I fucking hated it. And as I've gotten older, I become had more of a joy of it because it actually was like, oh my god, this is like, this is cool. There's like so much going on here, whereas before it was just boring shit. So I'm terrible with that. So I'm like, I'm completely wrong. But I think like I think it may could easily be a matter of perspective because mm -hmm. you brought up the I'll be honest, the perestroika, where the fuck? And I remember that in the episode. And I probably should have looked into it to understand what exactly it was, to be honest. Do you, I, so do you remember it from the... Wait, how old are you? I am 29. Oh, never mind then. So you haven't seen like the, the 80s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies then? Oh, fuck yeah, I have. I mean, it was a okay. long time ago, but... <laughs> so uh, the in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, they are in, I think, April O'Neil's apartment and they find some pizza. And I, I was very little, but... Uh, a deep callback. <laughs> very deep. <laughs> They, um, God, I don't even remember, but the word perestroika came up. I had no idea what that meant until, you know, well into my thirties. And I first saw the movie when I was probably like five. So, uh, don't worry about it. If you don't know what perestroika is, I, I couldn't, if you asked me like, what is perestroika? I probably wouldn't be able to tell you other than that. It was Mikhail Gorbachev's agenda basically that, and Gorbachev was like the last president, prime minister, chancellor, whatever, whatever the title was of the USSR. Like he was the one who oversaw its 
transition from the, you know, Soviet empire to just this collection of disparate states. What were you talking about? Anyways, all right. I was bringing it to this as a matter of perspective, and I was kind of bringing up that I don't know shit about history, so I don't really know what perestroika is. All right, I'm getting it now. It's kind of uh, it was Gorbachev's fucking shit that to kind of address the issue. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so I, I want to kind of just do this now because I'm probably going to get lost in thought. I'll say it fucking the two things I'm about to bring up here, the perestroika thing, and then the, uh, the whole either recognizing or not recognizing politics. So the perestroika thing, I think it's, it could, you could easily look at it, and I think I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I maybe it could easily just be a matter of perspective. I think when we're talking about agorism, you could easily probably make the case. And once again, I'm historically retarded. So I think you could probably make the case that maybe this was a result of pressure from the, like essentially agorism essentially. And like, I know you mentioned they weren't running around like they weren't Konkinians or whatever the fuck, like, and that's one thing Konkin goes into that. Like, you know, we should try to appeal to people who are engaging in counter-economics but aren't necessarily agorists. So yeah, these people I were definitely one, agree yeah. with that. Yeah, so they were there was a shitload of people engaging in counter-economics. And so I think you could probably make the case that that is what kind of put the pressure on for the whole perestroika thing. So, and that's one thing I've talked to people about before. They're like, well, what if we don't engage? It's like, well, if you don't engage, you could probably make a case that that's going to affect the political system. Like, so you may, in a sense, probably get something similar to what you want. And that's one big thing with a New Liberty Manifesto. He kind of goes into, kind of goes into the whole stages of like how this may work out in his, in his head and like, you know, and so I think there might be some case to be made that not voting can a sense is essentially kind of a vote and may get them to try to like appeal to you more. Like that was one thing I think he went to. Very much like I may be completely wrong, but I do vaguely remember it's one thing you brought with like the LP, how they could end up being a major party at some point once enough people have disengaged to try to lure people back into the system and be like, look, this isn't so fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like, so I do think there's something there. Um, I kind of lost my point a little bit. But anyways, now I'll move on to the next point. You kind of brought up the not engaging or engaging. And actually that kind of answers the second point too. It could be a matter of perspective in the sense that like, it's not necessarily you're engage, you're not recognizing it. You're recognizing it's there. You're just choosing not to engage with it. You know, like that's. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. That it is like it's there. So like, are you going to use it or not? I mean, I think you're kind of. You could probably make a case that's fine not to. And that's kind of what I think agorism is. I could be completely fucking wrong. I don't know, especially because I like with looking at an historical context, very much reaching because I don't know the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think there's probably maybe a case to be made there. So I don't know, you know? I think one thing, so Konkin's, Konkin's kind of framework, I'm told that I use the word framework too often, by the way. It's a good word uh, though. <laughs> it is, it's a great word. I love it. That's why I use it so damn much. Yeah. Uh, Konkin's like vision is you go from like pockets of agorism and then you ascend to where it's just pockets of statism. Like it's the agorism is the default, statism is the little pockets and that's where it stops. And that's a very, very Western view of history or the unfolding of, you know, the future. Um, as I am thinking more and more about the nature of society's evolution, the more I'm seeing it as like a, 
cyclical and linear type thing. Like it's almost like a spiral. Integral and theory. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going. <clears throat> Go check out that episode no, if you see, haven't. <laughs> yeah, well, and there's more coming. I've got I've got the guy from Integral Life coming on to he's been doing it for you know decades. So it, uh it's a mind fuck for sure. Oh, I so, not to go off to another tangent, but I mean I'm kind of of the opinion that I don't it's almost too conveniently well done. So I'm like, is it just one of those things where it's like a horoscope where you're reading too much into it? You know what I mean? So I'm like, but it is the same time. Like, this is fucking yeah. Genius. Is this just a horoscope for really smart people? I don't fucking well, know. <laughs> so when you, when you integrate, when you integrate <laughs> integral theory, which is, um, it is a timeline, uh, with what Vin Armani has popularized, but actually comes from, um, P is it PR Sarkar? Yeah, PR oh, Sarkar, uh, where history is a series of revolutions. Um, it's also like the fourth turning, which is a very American-centric uh, vision of history. Um, I could see the Konkinian view just going over on itself, becoming just a cyclical thing. You know, you've got pockets of agorism in a strong state the state gets too strong for its own good agorists rise they supplant the state and then there's little pockets of statism and those pockets of statism become pop you know more and more powerful and they start supplanting the agorists uh and i think it's important to understand where you are in that cycle um and act accordingly i mean for me, like personally, I just want to get rich. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't care who wins elections. I don't care, you know, if libertarianism thrives. Like I, I mean, I care. Like you know, it'd be great if like everybody was free, but most people don't want to be free, and so I just want to make the most of that. You know what I mean? Like I want to be the one prospering, whether it's yeah, it's egoism. It's just you, you yeah. start from your your the spot you can influence the most, which is you. So like, right. I mean, we're kind of just talking, you know, very esoteric and out there and like, you know, how everyone should act. At the end of the day, well, I mean, the best we can control ourselves. So it's like, you know, I, I get that it's like, really, if you're smart, you should be like, I care about keeping me and my family in a good spot. So, But yeah. on the other hand, I don't want to... Like, I, it, it's not I just want to be rich. Like I do, I, obviously, I want to be rich. Like I would love to be a billionaire, uh, but I'm not going to compromise my values too much. I mm -hmm. guess I I don't know. I mean, like this is this is getting a little too deep for 54 minutes into this conversation. But uh, <laughs> to bring it back to egoism, what do you what do you mean principles? You're just going to let those things get in your way? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I am. That's the thing. Like I mean, yeah. look, I, if I oh look, that's another word I'm told I use too much. Have What's I that? have I said a whole lot? Like have I started sentences with look? I don't know. I'm you probably know, gonna notice it now that you said. Yeah, that. I know. You need to be my. You need to be my speech coach. Uh, <laughs> since fucking since Toastmasters isn't happening. Um, what what was I saying? Shit, uh, you lost. Oh me. right, we, we got pretty I'm deep not, there. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. Like, I'm not gonna go work for Amazon or Google, uh, or a bank, or God forbid, the Fed. Um, in order to get rich, but like, it's still a goal. Uh, 
Why am I, get, I talking about this? I, oh, I right. It's I, a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. I would like to get rich. I would like to get rich, honestly. Um, <clears throat> and it doesn't matter to me whether it's Biden, Trump in the Oval Office, whether it's Tim Walls or the My Pillow guy as the governor of the state I live in. Uh, or did you know that the the the, 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 the yeah the Minnesota GOP is trying to run the My Pillow guy for governor? <laughs> That's awesome. They're I hope so, he gets elected president. <laughs> they're so dumb, man. That would um, be great because one of the greatest things I loved about Trump was that he made he pointed out what a joke the presidency is. Right. That would be fucking phenomenal if we got the My Pillow <laughs> guy in there. <laughs> I would vote for that. <laughs> Just to point out what a joke it is. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that? Uh, you hear that David Hogg's starting a pillow company? Yeah, I, I made a side. I don't know if you heard, but I was just oh, kind of like, yeah, no, that that is pretty goddamn funny to follow. It's just like, is he just intentionally satiring himself? What is going on here? <laughs> this is <Yeah>. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He even wrote a manifesto. Like, <laughs> did he? Yes. Oh my god. This I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel kind of like I laugh and joke, but he's like what, like nineteen? Probably but, 20, like, maybe. Something. Fuck. Can you imagine getting so fucking famous at like 16 for some shit idea you had? <laughs> like, I, I, I can't imagine. Like the shit I, I think back even a few years ago, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's cringe. But now you think back like a decade, over a decade ago, I'm like, oh my God, I can only imagine if that's what I got identified by and how much that would warp my fucking perspective. <laughs> God. I can't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I and like I guess if you if you get famous at that age for like your talent, like you know, I mean, well, even then, I mean, like look at all the child actors and child pop stars that just turn out a wreck. <laughs> like I, I mean, I don't know Taylor Swift; she's okay, I think. But like Bieber and Macaulay Culkin and all, uh, I don't know. I can't imagine. At least that's off talent. Like, yeah, it probably doesn't affect a child well. But now, if you affect it, now you do it off of like something that's like an idea you had as a child, like some like principle or something. It's like that's probably yeah. gonna change. So, like, I don't know. I can't. Like, if I, I don't know, if I'd gotten famous for, because I was probably I was more of like a neocon sort of conservative-ish around that time. So, like, if I had gotten famous off some idea I had because I somehow affected something, I can only imagine how that fucked me up. <laughs> like my. My oldest living, uh, like writing online is a post I made when I was a senior in high school about how Al Gore needs to stop whining about the electoral recounts in Florida. Uh, I must have written it in, you know, November, or December of 2000, um, while that was still a thing. Uh, and I, I mean, it's a pretty well reasoned argument. But I was 17. Like, I mean, <laughs> what did I know? Dude, I've been on Facebook since I was like 13 or 14. So I can only, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> like, uh, one of the greatest things was was getting this pseudonym and this alt. Because now I don't have to look at some of the old shit sometimes. It just like pops out and like the memories of like, remember yeah. this from 10 years ago? I'm like, fuck you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad Facebook didn't didn't exist when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I mean, whatever. I mean, I had fun times, but Jesus Christ, I don't want to be reminded about them. <laughs> that's, that's one thing when I'm against politics. If I ever go that realm, they'll fucking dig that shit up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
kidding. Uh, I, I want to kind of touch on a little bit. I mean, this is getting off topic, but whatever. I don't care. These are fun. I, I like these kind of, kind of conversations where they go off from where they, where they were supposed to be. I kind of feel like we touched on everything anyways. I do think I, – I feel like it was me and you that have touched on this before. You kind of brought up integral theory, and then you also brought up how – uh, I think it's kind of the uh, it's like more of the Asian type thing because like the integral theory kind of like incorporates the Western side of things with the whole linear progression and kind of then integrates it with the uh, like the Eastern thing with the cyclical. But to bring it back to cyclical, we had talked about before, I believe this may have been a prior conversation about how with all this like technocracy shit going on, that's very reminiscent of the um, of how the first states were formed. Yeah. Like, because they fucking, like, formed up, like, around, like, fertile lands, and then people kind of went off to the off-skirts off or the uh, outskirts and kind of created their own little, like, tribes and, like, what could be kind of close to, like, anarchist slash, you know, libertarian-ish type, you know, communities. And those were the ones who actually thrived. And I do think there is, like, you kind of brought the cyclical nature because it is kind of interesting that it's, like, it's kind of almost repeating itself. So it's like, there is something to the whole like Eastern idea, or even maybe the, perhaps the integral idea. Cause it's like, I guess the integral would actually be a good way to kind of, you know, square that circle there because you look at these two perfect little scenarios of like how, what we're looking at probably 10 years from now where they're going to have the little smart cities and then we're going to have people living out in the country. Uh, and then, or you look at, you know, tens of thousands of years ago where we had the first States forming and you had like them, you know, developing agriculture and then people moving to the outskirts and then scavenging and hunting and all that shit. And it's kind of the same idea, but different. So it's like, it very much is integral and in that it's like, it's the same thing, but it's ascended at the same time, you know? That's a, yeah, the, the, and this might actually, I don't know if people have talked about this in integral circles. Um, and, you know, in full disclosure, I haven't, like, I've listened to a single audiobook on integral theory, and I've read and listened to a couple of podcasts. Uh, I listened to your podcast, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, so, needless to say, I, I am no expert on integral theory. Um, my I was waiting for my Audible credits to refresh, which happened yesterday, so that I could get, like, the textbook on, on integral. Uh, so I'm going to start listening to that as soon as I'm done with the audiobook I'm in the middle of. That having been said, um, from the looks of it, so let, let me let me just kind of start at the beginning. Integral theory is, um, among a lot of other things, uh, it's a theory of everything. And it is well known for its theory of like the progression of societies throughout history. And like you start with like the just you know, caveman survival guy. Uh, and you like, and you move into uh, like a magical, um, very immature spirituality. Uh, and then you get into a mythical type spirituality on through the ages to the modern. So like you get into the pre-modern age of uh, um, like, sort of re re like religion as we understand religion, like the puritanical type religions um, that are a lot more about the order than the myth um, into the modern age, which is very scientific or scientistic into the postmodern age, which is a reaction to that. And then the post postmodern age, which we're entering now will be the integral age. Um, and from my view 
it looks like these transitions, they go from like a healthy or like really reasonable version of that era's predominant worldview to like a super pathological, almost caricature of the healthy version of that worldview. So like, um, for instance, you go from like St. Thomas Aquinas in the medieval period who was like resurrecting Aristotle and writing some of the best defenses of Christianity you'll ever read. And not only are they super logical and rational, but they're beautiful. Like it's, it's a joy to read Aquinas. And then you get into like the Puritans who are hanging witches, you know, it's like this just absolutely crazy version of, of Christianity that you won't, you, that Aquinas wouldn't even recognize. And so the, Puritans are reacted against by the enlightenment and the, um, the, like the new scientific method and, you know, um, uh, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, the, the, the deists and the atheists and stuff like that, who have a really, really nice worldview. They're not like, they're not irrational about their stuff they have a code and they have reasons for believing what they believe. Um, but they're also reacting against what came before them, the, the, the fundamentalist violent Christians. Um, I mean, you can make the and, same case with atheism with the whole, like, uh, not to throw you off your track, I'm, yeah. but, but fucking uh, people, one of the biggest, I'm an, I mean, I'm pretty open about, it. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic atheist. I mean, we're not gonna get into that. I mean, we can do this some other time, but anyways, fucking, um, that people always bring up like, you know, communism and like under Stalin and how mm -hmm. like, well, look at that. That's what atheism is. But it's like, I mean, but at the same time you can have that or you can have, you can have fucking atheism. That's just looking at things logically. Like that's actually what brought me to anarchism was like learning the, the logical ways to evaluate religion. And then I used, mm -hmm. integrated that into my perspective of government, which Funny enough, not a lot of atheists do, and so they end up being the, the biggest simps for government. But <laughs> yeah, so so I can I can see what you're getting at. It's kind of this cyclical thing, you know. You're operating off different paradigms, right. you know. So that's why so. that's where that's where I think the cycle goes. So like the modernists ended with um, the atomic bomb. Like the scientists had gone from being like a force, a moral force for good in the world to the most destructive force in the world. And then also like you've got Ayn Rand who is just a, she, she was just a caricature of the political theorists who lived, you know, 200 years before her. Uh, yeah. Egoism and Ayn Rand. Like when I read right. egoism or read, uh, uh, God, I'm forgetting yeah. the fucking book. When I read, when I read Sterner's book, I was fucking, I was like, holy shit, this is a much more reasonable version of Ayn Rand. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, so in, in response to the modernists, the, the, the people who made the atomic bomb, you've got the postmodernists who had really good points. Like, um, who's to say what's better than another thing? Uh, Thad Russell is real big on that, on, you know, libertarians should be postmodernists, um, because it is the ultimate in, uh, like acceptance and, like a pluralistic worldview. Um, 
And the postmodernists were in direct reaction to the dropping of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, but now, as Jordan Peterson has pointed out, postmodernism has kind of gone off the rails. Um, you've got what started out as a pluralistic, uh, you know, yeah, of course, oppressed people have rights. Like, why would why wouldn't they? M movement um, that convinced the world that oppressed people have rights, and that like you know, the, the racism is not scientific. There's no such thing as scientific racism to this, um, this caricature of that where only oppressed people have rights and everyone who's not an oppressed people. And I use the word and oppressed people, uh, intentionally, um, anyone who's not part of that group or those groups is an oppressor and needs to be punished for it um that's a caricature of of, of what you know the original postmodernists would have said and yeah. so now um in reaction to that you've got this rising integral movement which or maybe maybe it won't be a movement because the the thing the the whole beauty of integral is that it integrates all of those things um it takes the good parts of the pre-modern religionists and the magical thinking and um even the even the 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 tribal like violent um like the the mongolian uh whatever they were called or, or genghis khan people um it takes all of that stuff and integrates it with one another and takes the best parts of everything and identifies that while rejecting the shitty stuff so that's why, uh, yeah. So that's why I'm super into it. Um, I'm a little skeptical because it can be a little uh, like lefty, um, but I don't think it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I found lately. I mean, I've been falling into. I mean, I've always probably been. You would consider me more on the right, pretty much my entire life. But I've been falling into a lot of movements that people seem to be like, oh, well, they're a little lefty, like agorism. I found myself, which is a lot of people accused of being like lefty, which it is to some extent. But I, I mean, maybe there's just some sort of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's kind of a simpatico or whatever, you know, there where it's like, you know, maybe there's it's it seems lefty for a reason. Maybe it's because it's kind of almost a little bit, you know kind of the right way if that makes sense I'm, I'm i'm lost for words but there might be a reason why it's kind of lefty slash righty because it's like well you know like it appeals to both same thing goes with postmodernism. Mm. like i feel like that has a lefty vibe i mean i haven't taken a deep death a deep dive on postmodernism, and same thing with integral theory but uh yeah no fucking um like postmodernism. i think it's fucking like when i was reading uh fucking um sterner's book i fucking um the whole time i was like this is like this is like weirdly a mix between like Konkin, ayn rand and postmodernism yeah. like that's that's what it was and it is like i feel like it kind of postmodernism is great because i mean i could be completely wrong i haven't done a dive but it like makes it is this whole idea of like what is truth and it so it allows them to be competing narratives so and it's kind of like you then bring people into your narrative or something close to your mm -hmm. narrative and at the end of the day, like you can be fucking mad about it and you can be like, well, this is the truth. But at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't fucking matter if that is the truth. 
because at the end of the day, what matters is what you can convince people of. And that's kind of what postmodernism yeah. is in a sense. And I actually I think, think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, in integral, um, integral accepts that there is truth, which is a little bit different from at least my understanding of postmodernism, which is radical skepticism and radical agnosticism and constant questioning of narratives. Um, integral theory accepts truths, but it accepts that truth comes from different angles. So like, um, sounds like a complicated way of saying the same thing. Yeah. Like I can have my, <laughs> I can have my subjective truth and we can have our subjective truth and it can have its objective truth. Like our perception of it, um, can also be the truth about it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, to bring it back to your favorite word, you could say there's an objective truth within a framework. <laughs> yeah, yep. So, like, you could say if me and you are operating off the same framework, we can establish objective truths, uh -huh. which is, like, I've actually, I'm kind of embroiled in that because I was big in the atheism thing, and that was kind of a big thing with, like, morality, where they'd be like, there is, there is objective truth within a subjective framework. So, like, you can have, yeah. as long as you're uh, operating off the same framework, we can say, hey, we're operating off these fucking, these... I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you were operating off these, this paradigm and within this paradigm, fucking, this is the objective truth. Yep. And like, and you can logically deduce that, but at the same time, it's a matter of, it's the whole is ought thing. Like at the end of the day, like we're all stuck at ought. Like you can fucking bitch and moan that like we, we want there to be an is, but sorry, there, I mean, you can't fucking prove there's an is like, I'm sorry. You just can't like, <laughs> and that's kind of the whole point, you know? Yeah. So, and so we operate off the ought and within that ought, we can be like, well, within this ought, there's an is. Right. <laughs> and we, the only thing, the only thing we can possibly do is act as if there's an is, mm -hmm. but like whose is, do we act as if exists? Is, is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea of like complete competing frameworks and competing fucking ideas. And it's like, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, what really matters, it's not really what, what really matters isn't what the actual truth is. It's what, what matters is what you can convince people is the truth. And that right. kind of brings into Van Armani's magic and shit like that, you know? Right. And that's why, um, I guess that, that cyclical, you know, reasonable to pathological slash caricature, uh, framework also tends to go from liberal to authoritarian. So like, you know, you start out with proposing, you know, this is my idea to imposing, this is my idea. And it also needs to be your idea. And if it's not your idea, then you're going to the fucking gulag or you're getting banned from fucking Facebook or whatever it is. Is it ironic too, that the word liberal then becomes this, the, uh, a synonym yeah. for authoritarian? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, do you forget what liberal means? <laughs> so that's yeah. a whole other realm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get uh, what you mean though yeah yeah it goes from it goes from proposing to imposing um and that's where we're at right now i mean it, how long is it gonna last i mean things are going faster and faster and faster you know each of those each of those steps in the evolution i mean they've gone from centuries to decades to year i mean look the postmodern there i go with look the postmodern movement just started in the 
Well, I mean, okay, the women's liberation movement started like a century ago, but that was in the midst of the of the very very tail end of the modernist movement. Women don't count. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, and just but, kidding. but really, the the like actual like postmodern civil rights. I mean, the 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 women's lib movement was part and parcel with the temperance movement, which was you know as religious as you get. So. That wasn't really postmodernist. It didn't become postmodernist until the feminists um, joined forces with the civil rights movements in the 60s. And that's only been a few. I mean, my dad was born in 1960, you know? Um, so will we see the end of this insane authoritarian world in the next 10 years? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I couldn't will tell the, you one way or another. Will the Great Reset? Will the Great Reset succeed? I mean, it's kind of crazy. And uh I think more and more people will get on board as it gets crazier and crazier with get get on board with the the anti-authoritarian liberals, not just the liberals, but the anti-authoritarian like us. I think I've told you before kind of how I think it's going to work out. It's not even necessarily going to be – I think it's going to be the state is going to impose their authority within a smaller area, and it's going to seem more extreme, but it's going to be within a smaller area. Yep. And uh, I mean I kind of I, – I always – I mean I bring up any chance I get the whole like, you know, like the the connecting the dots between the whole agenda 2030 and then the fucking uh, – the, the way the first states formed. Because for some reason, I have not heard anyone else going about that. That was like a thing I completely connected dots on myself. I remember I had John Bush on once and he was like, holy shit. Because like, I don't know why though. It's such an easy dot to connect because it was literally like a James C. Scott book. And he was literally on the, uh, this was actually a thing I remember hearing on the uh, Monopoly on Violence. Then I read the book and then I listened to John Bush talk about the uh, agenda 2020 or 2030 shit. And I just kind of connected the dots. I'm like, can those you- are the same exact fucking things. Can you elaborate? <laughs> Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I haven't read the the book, and it's been a while since I watched Monopoly on Violence. Uh, the James C. Scott. Well, James C. Scott's against the grain. He kind of goes into how the earliest uh, fucking states were formed, and kind of how they formed around agriculture, okay. and then how then states kind of like you know impose themselves on those areas of of uh, commerce or of uh, what's the word I'm looking for of profit or of uh, no, no, you know, you know what I mean the places they were doing well, yeah. and then, yeah. um, and that then formed, then kind of forced some people to the outskirts because they didn't want to be in that state area or whatever the reasons were, and they mm-hmm. kind of ended up forming up around the less fertile areas, the the spots you would generally think wouldn't do as well because they're kind of more barren and shitty, you know, spots where you couldn't really go plants as well, and they kind of just. They hunted, they foraged, they did all the, the just mm-hmm. that kind of shit. And apparently, like you look, I guess he, one of the things he went to in the book is like you look at fossil records and stuff, and everything in, seems to indicate that these people whose story isn't really told by history because the yeah. history is told by the states, it, these people seem to have done way better than the other people. And yeah. it was just because they were like, fuck this. Uh, yeah, I don't want any part of this shit. And so it's kind of like, it's weirdly this, like, and now we're going forward. And the big thing is this like whole 2030 thing and how we're gonna have these technocratic uh, states or cities or whatever, Mm. you know, and it's like, they're talking about like, you know, having like smart cities. And I think it's really going to be people that kind of stick to their guns and stay on the rural areas. And they're, especially where you see some of the secession movements or not even secession movements, but the uh, nullification type shit going on. I think they might kind of nullify their way out of it and be kind of this, these little, 
you might end up with these really shitty city states with these people who live on the outskirts who kind of are, you know, what they would on the inside, you know, portray as country bumpkins, but really they're the ones fucking killing it, you know? Yep. (laughs) And I think that might be the way the future goes. Well, and hell, I mean, one, one state, I don't remember which state it was, was talking about, you know, a return of factory towns where, you know, the, uh, the large employers, you know, if they're large enough, they can just start their own city. That's not even, not even, uh, governed by the state. Yeah. And I saw something today or yesterday. And I saw something today or yesterday too, where, uh, some state was trying to push through something that's saying they would disregard executive, uh, executive orders. And it was like, uh, you know, if it, if they didn't want to essentially, and it was like, I can't remember what state it was, but then it was funny too. Cause somebody was like, well, then that would be illegal because, uh, you know, the federal mandates supersede the blah, 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 blah. And I was, and like, I remember I, I can't remember exactly how I posted it. It was way more eloquent than probably what I'm about to say now, but it's kind of like, who fucking cares what's on some words on paper, what's on some paper somewhere in the day, what fucking matters is what people do. So like, so it's yeah. like, it's like a gun free zone doesn't mean shit if no one fucking adheres to it and no one enforces it. So like, it, it, so that's kind of the same idea where it's like, cool. You maybe you have some law somewhere that says the federal, you know, mandate outdoes some state shit. But at the end of the day, like what matters is what really happens. Mm. You know, if the state decides, fuck you, I'm not doing it. Then the, the federal government doesn't have the power to crack down, which they probably don't. It ain't happening. You know? This is also why I'm so hard on. I said hard on. This is why I'm. So, <laughs> this is this is why I'm so hard on capitalism. I mean, like, there's a difference between you and me trading and the first agriculturalists leading to the first state. Like. I don't think that large scale capitalism can exist absent the state. And I don't think the state can exist absent large scale capitalism. Um, Depends on how you define capitalism, but I get, I get your point. Cause yeah. especially coming from the agorist framework. <laughs> yeah. All our ANCAP buddies are going to be butthurt about you saying this, but <laughs> I know that's the thing. It's like, yeah. so I don't fault Murray Rothbard because he wasn't a, and I, I kind of do fault Murray Rothbard because he didn't see it coming, but um, he was as down on crony capitalism uh, with air quotes as anybody, but uh, I don't think he went far enough. Yeah. I think Konkin went far enough. Mm-hmm. Like, and really, I mean, um, Roderick Long he goes far enough. If you read his theory of class, um, he kind of makes a distinction. He's like, so libertarians tend to make class about the government or the state versus everyone else. And Marxists tend to make it the capitalists versus the proletariat. Um, Roderick Long is like, a middle way where it's mostly the state, but also the capitalists to a lesser degree versus everyone else. It is hard when they, cause the, the problem is, especially with the, you know, coming from the Konkinian framework, that is yeah. like the, uh, the state corrupts the, uh, the, uh, the market. So it's uh-huh. like, how do you then parse what is state and what is market? Now, no. <laughs> if you if you say that, but if you say that to a socialist, and I have said that to a socialist, 
they'll tell you, no, 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 no. The businesses corrupt the state. The reason, like, people don't run for office because they want to get rich and powerful. They run for office because they want to help people. Don't you know that? They don't get corrupt until the companies start buying them off. Well, that you know what? Funny, though, like, we were talking about earlier how, like, oh, this appeals to the left, and it's like, here I am. But it's like, I almost laugh that off, but there's a truth on both sides. Because I feel like too often we're binary thinkers. And while me coming from the ANCAP perspective, generally, like that's kind of where I came from and then from the right and so on and so forth, like that was my progression. I look at that and laugh, but I could see how someone from the left would be like, there are, and they're right. There are genuinely people who do go that route to do good. But I think along the way, they either one, get corrupted or don't get corrupted and then anyways, just the way the system is made, they end up just naturally falling into the system anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and like, no matter what your good intentions are, you end up serving their, their, their fucking needs, you know? Yeah. Or desires. So <sighs> it's kind of like true on both sides. So it is a, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Cause uh, there are people who genuinely are like, Oh, I just want to, you know, help people. And then they fucking, mm-hmm. you know, they fall into the system and then, they think they're doing good, and it's just slow, corrupting thing. And I guess you could make the case it's the market, but it's eh, sort of not really. <laughs> my yeah, my socialist friend, I, I, and he has a point, but you will never convince me that Hillary Clinton got into politics because she cares about people. Oh no, I mean, I mean it depends what you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> like AOC, I could honestly believe she did yeah, it because she fucking a, she is a true believer. She exactly. That's what I was yeah. gonna say. She's a true believer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and you know, I mean, and some of them, some of them do it, and they don't get corrupted. Like, uh, Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul, they come from opposite ends of the spectrum, but they, I tell you what, they had really long political careers and stuck to their principles. And Tulsi too. I mean, she's she's got some faults, but you know, her short-ish political career was pretty uh, principled, I guess. The problem is I f- they're the exception and not the rule. And so yeah. so I feel like the problem is people – like that was one thing I got to do with my episode with Sal is that it's like, you know, like is – was Ron Paul a fucking a, – a, a negative part of the partyarchy or whatever, you know, like looking from Agra's angle. And it's like – I mean it's kind of like it's, – it's the same idea with no matter how you fall on the abortion argument, if you immediately go like, well, rape, it's like, well <laughs> – I mean, well, it's a non-starter. Like, obviously, yeah. rape's bad. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but it's the exact opposite when you're looking at, like, Ron Paul or somebody like that or, like, old-school Bernie Sanders coming from the left. You know, Bernie's yeah. kind of sold out now. Bernie has it's totally kind of, sold out now. That's yeah, the problem. But, but old-school Bernie, you look at them, you're like, oh, no, they are true believers. Yeah. But if you judge the system by them, it's kind of like – that's not a fair evaluation. <laughs> the know? thing about, and the thing about Ron Paul is that he convinced the entire world that libertarianism was about the constitution. Yep. Like I, that's, that's one of the reasons I don't like Ron Paul. And I know that's heresy and I'm not supposed to say that, but like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like for real though, that same socialist friend I mentioned a minute ago, uh, when, when I, asked him like what's your understanding of libertarianism that's what he said he said it's 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 like a strict adherence to the constitution the reason he said that was because when he was in college like the fucking cato institute or someone was on campus spreading constant like little mini pocket constitutions like they're 
you know, pocket New Testaments from the Christian evangelists. It's, you know, it's just a bunch of, ugh, I hate that. So that's a perfect point. Cause it is like, I've, I've listened to the Ron Paul Liberty report for a long time too. And I know that's not exactly what he believes. He's right. just arguing from that perspective yeah. to try to, and it's the kind of like, you know, argue from the right, from the right, left from the left, whatever. But yeah. it is like, we got into that with Sal's episode. And I was kind of like, one thing I brought up was actually Sal wasn't, didn't seem to be willing to go far enough to be like, Ron Paul was a negative, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I noticed thing. that. I and noticed I actually that. was the one who said he was because <laughs> he has been on another note. He's been the precedent for everyone being like, that's why you aggress are wrong. Look at Ron Paul. Ha right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I fucking love Ron Paul. He's a goddamn angel, but it's like, but if you look at the, the long arc of history, how many people have bought into the constitution, you know, engaging in politics in general because of him. And I know a lot of people say like, well, I never would have been in politics if it wasn't for Ron Paul. You don't fucking know that. Like if, if he had never existed, you could, who knows how this works. You could be predisposed to these ideas genetically for all I fucking know. Uh -huh. And you could have eventually found them one way or another. Who knows? Looking at like, well, if this had happened, then this wouldn't have happened. You don't fucking know that. Like, that's not how time works. You don't know like this. Like maybe I don't know. Like, and I'm not saying Ron Paul's a shitty person. He's a he's a goddamn angel. He's a fucking national yeah. treasure. All right, but like, <laughs> but Dude, you look at it from the long arc of I've history. Already, I've already like budgeted my plane ticket to Houston for when his funeral comes around. So yeah, you know, right? I mean, we're we're like, I'm not saying I don't like Ron Paul. Don't crucify me, libertarian orthodoxy police. But like, he's got his faults. We all do. Yeah, like he was. Uh, I know it's his fault was being almost perfect. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like I don't know, I can't hold it against him too much. <laughs> like he was operating off the the best intentions and uh, probably off the you know the tactics he thought would work. I don't fucking know. I can't really hold it against him. I just yeah. disagree with him. Like I don't know what to say. Like sorry, <laughs> but I think it's probably a good spot to kill it. You know, uh, us shitting on Ron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> you, th you think you're losing followers now? <laughs> yeah, no, like kill it right there. All right, uh, you want to go ahead and drop whatever plugs you got? Yeah, <laughs> man. Late too. I gotta go to bed. So. Y'all uh, follow me. It's blackbird.substack.com or just just search for. There's like three podcasts called Blackbird. Uh, it's Blackbird with James Gentleman on your podcast app. It should be on all of them. If it's not, then. Hit me up on Twitter to let me know which one it's not showing up on. That's funny. I never thought about when you pick Blackbird. It's I had the same thing where I picked No Way Jose and thought like, who the fuck would pick a podcast like that? <laughs> there's, there's like two or three other ones. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. We live in a time where there's so many goddamn people and so many people yeah. doing things. It's just like shit. Luckily, all the other ones were just like, I don't know, in my opinion, stupid shit. So I'm like, I don't know. One day I'll rise to the top of the No Way Jose's. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I'm on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I got audio podcasts everywhere they're at. Also on the Liberty Moon YouTube bit shoot. These will not, this will not be on that because we clearly went super fucking political on it. Uh, went way off the rails, but whatever. That's uh, good. Jose, I think every time I've been on your show, you have finished it with, we went way off the rails. It's just <laughs> what happens. I'm, I'm here. You should, man, I've told you about my actual anarchy talking about a, that terrible movie that I love. High rise. High rise. We talked for four hours. I'm not even exaggerating. We were like their pre-show, their regular show and their Patreon thing. No, it's cool. You should I, never I, have you should never have me on if you're tired. Is what I'm saying. Oh no, I'm. Uh, I know exactly what I'm getting when I get you. <laughs> that's good. I mean, at the same time though, I still have to like 
divert you in a certain way but then yeah. we kind of got to the end and we went off the rails but at that point we had already covered everybody i wanted to cover so i was like fucking cool with it whatever all right keep plugging <laughs> yourself uh, before i interrupt you again oh you're all good uh the little moons on facebook and me we hit me up at the liberty movement global at gmail.com like i said fucking give me money so i stopped losing money <laughs> uh patreon.com slash no way jose 2020 or you can give me crypto and the fed.app um no way jose 2020 on there as well like, share, subscribe, all that good shit. Uh, and that's basically it. Yeah, I think we've, uh, this has been a fucking kick ass episode. Um, yeah, I really dug it. I always love having uh, Levin James on. So I'm sure we'll do this again later. So, yeah. We have the best, we have the best bromance and libertarian yes. <laughs> world. We sure do. Yeah, even all though right. we're not, we're trying not to be uh, consumed by the libertarian world with our word, with our uh, titles. But all right, with that, deuces, everybody. Thanks for coming, James. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Bye.